Thank you for downloading and listening to the Briam Bible Church Sunday Morning Podcast. Briam Bible Church is located in Shoreline, Washington, morning worship at 11, and many more events throughout the week. For more information, please visit our website at www.bereanshoreline.org. Well, thank you all for joining us today, and thank you for lifting your voices and uh, singing uh, like that and uh, worshiping the Lord. It's just so good to hear your voices. You ought to come and sit up front someday and uh, listen to your voices and uh, share in that worship. Uh, this morning, we're going to dismiss our children to Children's Choir today, and the uh, Children's Church, Children's Choir is already meeting. They're preparing their uh, presentation for us on February 8th, so we'll dismiss the children at this time And if you're here visiting with us and your children are going out to Children's Church after the service, you may pick them up uh, right over here, uh, just right across the walkway in the room over here, uh, and bring them uh, afterward with you, okay? Oh, I'm sorry, Alice is telling me it's downstairs, okay? It's over across the hallway and downstairs. Thank you. I I just work here. I ought to know some of these things, but, you know. (laughs) Thank you, Alice. (laughs) Okay. how many of you over the holidays or the last weeks or so had anybody just uh, drop into your house? Any drop into your house? No? Oh, okay, good. We have a few here, okay. I'm not going to ask you who because it might be somebody over here, you know, and that dropped into your house. Um, uh, sometimes you say that uh, somebody uh, dropped in for dinner, okay? They dropped into your house, they dropped in for dinner. In our culture, uh, we tend to be pretty organized and plan ahead and you know, invite people, and uh, we are hesitant to just drop in to someone's house. In other cultures, that's not true. It's actually a mark of uh, respect that you would uh, come and drop in on someone's house and, uh, and uh, spend a whole evening or something with them. But you ever wonder where some of these phrases come from, drop in to your house? Uh, no one has ever dropped in to my house. They have come in to my house, maybe unannounced. They have visited, maybe unannounced, but I have never had anybody drop in to my house. So if you were in Sunday school this morning, you know where we're going with this, right? (laughs) Okay, Mark chapter 2. Gospel of Mark chapter 2. And uh, I don't know, maybe this is where, uh, maybe where this is, um, where it came from, I don't know. Hey, we're going to celebrate communion together today. And I just want to say a word if you happen to be visiting with us this morning. If you are, uh, God bless you. Thank you for being here, and we hope you feel right at home. And if you are here today, and if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you know, we have sung some beautiful songs this morning about being adopted as as, uh, sons and daughters to our Heavenly Father, the deep, deep love of Jesus that has touched our hearts and brought us into a relationship with God as our Heavenly Father. Jesus Christ is our Savior. If you know Jesus Christ as your Savior today, you are welcome to share communion with us. This has nothing to do with being a member of our church or anything like that. If you know Christ as Savior, we invite you later on in the service. Uh, we're going to have our elders will come and we're going to distribute and share first uh, the bread. And then we're going to share the cup. And we'll take a minute and we'll, we'll partake together. And if you know Christ the Savior, you are more than welcome to share in this with us, and I encourage you to, uh, if, if you can do so, and you know Christ is your Savior. Uh, let's pray. Fathers, we open your word for a few moments. Uh, I just want to pray that uh, my heart would be open to your word and sensitive to it, that each heart here would be. Uh, we never take for granted that we have the freedom to come today and to open your word and speak about it and talk about it and share it. And we are reminded 
of our brothers and sisters as we were this past week at uh, Women's Missionary Fellowship Luncheon as our guests shared about uh, the challenges in, in uh, places around the world, in Turkmenistan where they work, where they are not free, where pastors are in jail today uh, for preaching your word. And so we just pause uh, once again and give you thanks for that freedom and also that it's a privilege and a responsibility. And so we come to you and ask your presence with us as we open your word in Christ's name. Amen. So in uh, Mark chapter 2 and verse 1, a few days later when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. Uh, he had come to the home. We could say he came home because this was sort of his home away from home. This was his, uh, he's from Nazareth, but this is now the base of his ministry. So many gathered that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. The house is packed, wall to wall, door to door. People are lined up outside trying to drop in, trying to get in the house to hear Jesus. People are bringing the sick and the lame. Uh, those are the demon-possessed, as we see, and they're bringing them to him to have him touch them, to have him say a word to them. They are, they are coming, and the place is just jam-packed. And some men came, bringing to him a paralytic, carried by four of them. We spoke in our class this morning about the, the love these four men had and the faith they had to bring this man, that they made the effort to bring him. And since they could not get into Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus. And after digging through it, they lowered the mat the man that was paralyzed was lying on. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your, son, your sins are forgiven. Now, as I mentioned in our class this morning, for those of us that grew up in a church setting like I did and grew up going to Sunday school uh, or have taught Sunday school and vacation Bible school and children's church and so on, uh, this is one of those great stories. It's wonderful. It's a wonderful one for kids, you know, where you can uh, cut the little thing out behind the paper and put the string in, you know, put the man on the mat and pull the string, and the guy goes up and down, right? Uh, it's a lot of fun. It's a great story. Children love this story, and it's a great truth. And, uh, but you think of this, and you might think, well, you know, it was just like a thatched roof, and they just kind of moved some of the stuff around and made a hole. Well, not quite so simple. These homes had roofs. There were beams across the roof, and there was thatch and grass and so on. But on top of that, there would be a hard-baked clay or mud if they, were, if they had enough money, and there were homes like this, especially in Capernaum, because it was a prosperous town. There were tile roofs where there were actually tiles that were laid, and when the gospel says they removed the tiles, but that word could also mean clay. Um, but there was a hard-packed, uh, almost a cement, if you will, kind of roof or tile. And these men made the effort because they had to get their friend in to see Jesus. Their faith is so strong that they are not going to be turned away. And they begin while Jesus is speaking, and, and, and as he is speaking, and the, and the stuff begins to fall from the roof, you know, down on the people's heads. And I'm sure as he's speaking, um, you know, it's kind of like in the situation here where sometimes I'm, I'm preaching or teaching and something maybe really disruptive happens, you know, and you're trying to listen to me, but you're trying to not look like you're watching this, you know, and so forth. And the stuff is happening, and while Jesus is teaching, here comes, I think, the first man to drop in, okay? <laughs> he drops in, lowered by ropes. And you probably, they could probably look up and see the faces of the four guys looking down, lowering the ropes and dropping him into 
the room. When I was in college, my roommate and I, Dale Amundsen, uh, we went out and decorated our room at Grace Bible College, and I went to the store and bought a poster. It was one of those posters of, you put the ceiling and it's a manhole cover, and there's four guys looking down through the manhole cover. <laughs> and uh, one of the guys looked suspiciously like one of the elders in our church, so it was a little bit unnerving <laughs> to look up and see the, you know. But anyway, these guys are dropping him down right in front of Jesus. And the, and the mat comes down, and you notice that they don't ask anything. They don't shout from up above or anything like that. They, they bring this guy down here. He's paralyzed. He has probably never walked in his life. He's never been on his feet. And you notice it says in verse 5, when Jesus saw their faith. And I think the indication from the original language here is the really emphasis on these four guys up there. They are a, they are a team with this guy who's coming down. And when Jesus recognizes their faith, their faith that they actually believed, they actually believed that Jesus could do something for this man who'd never walked, and they believed that so strongly that they would go to the effort to break open someone's roof and drop this man down. I mean, this, this is really going to extremes, you know? This is really going to extremes. And he comes down in front of them, and Jesus says, Son, and it's interesting, the word he uses here, it's a good translation. He's talking to another adult. Could have been someone his age. But he uses it, he says, he says Child, son, your son, your sins are forgiven. He doesn't say, You're healed. He doesn't say, What would you like me to do? He says, Your sins are forgiven. And some of the teachers of the law, verse 6, were sitting there, and as was pointed out in our class this morning, they didn't have to say it, they're just thinking it. And they say, why does this fellow talk like this? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And you know what? They're right. They are exactly right. That is exactly what the Old Testament teaches. Nobody in the Old Testament forgives sins. It never says in the Old Testament that when the Messiah comes, he's going to forgive sins. Everybody knows, and they are correct. Only God has the power to forgive sins. They are right. And immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that they were thinking this, what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, now notice this question, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven. In other words, is it, is it easier, would it be easier for me to say, son, your sins are forgiven? Or would it be easier to say, take up your mat and walk? And what's the answer to that? What is the answer to that? You know, in some ways, it would be easier to say, your sins are forgiven, because how is anybody going to know that? How would you know? I mean, you, you, how would you know? When, when I was saved as a young man, a young boy, and I received Jesus Christ as my Savior, as we're going to share the cup and the bread together and remind you of the cross behind me here, that Jesus Christ died on the cross at Calvary to pay for my sins. He rose from the dead, and he offered me forgiveness for sins because he paid the price for my sin. I was sitting at camp over in Carnation at Camp Gilead. I was in third grade. And I was sitting there watching a flannel graph lesson by a Bible teacher. And the Holy Spirit, wasn't, I wasn't this smarter than anybody else. It wasn't because I went to church. I was a pretty quiet kid. Um, I wasn't very expressive. And, uh, but God opened my heart to the gospel. And I realized, as a child, third grade, I realized that, yes, I was a sinner. And that I couldn't save myself. 
that Jesus died for my sins. And he's offered me a gift, eternal life and forgiveness for sins. And I received it. Nobody saw anything different about me. I didn't even tell anybody. I didn't go forward. I didn't tell anybody. I didn't even tell my mom. She was a camp cook that week. That's why I was there. I was here a year early. But I didn't tell my mom. You couldn't tell by looking at me. But I was alive. I had new birth, the Bible says. And this is a good question, Jesus said. What's easier? Would it be easier for me to say, son, your sins are forgiven, and everybody go home and wonder what that meant? Or would it be easier to say, pick up your mat and walk, be healed? And he leaves that question open. But he says to them, so I want you to know that the Son of Man, and we introduce this title, Son of Man, in Mark here, the Son of Man, which goes back to the Old Testament, when, when Daniel and the prophets, they see the Son of Man, and they know this is a, a Messianic expression. So I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority, has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I tell you, get up, take up your mat, and go home. Out the door, not back to the roof. They don't need the ropes anymore. Get up and walk. And he got up, he took up his mat, and he walked out in full view of all of them, and they were amazed. They said, we have never seen anything like this. We have never seen anything like this. As we come to communion this morning, we're going to share in this communion together. And yes, I'm going to get you out on time. You don't believe me still, do you? You know, they, they put the order of service together and they put times on it. So we kind of know how, you know. And uh, I think Trainer was in charge this week, weren't you? And it says, 11.37, serving of the bread. That's in six minutes. And it says, 11.39, postlude. That means you're walking out the door. So we got two minutes. <laughs> From the time I start serving communion, one of the guys suggested we're just going to throw everything at you today. But <laughs> that's not going to happen. So listen. Listen, as we come to the communion table today, and we're going to share, these, these have the bread which represents Jesus. These are the cup. This is the cup that represents his blood. This represents, uh, the bread in here represents his body. We join our hands across the centuries, the millennium, and across the continents with brothers and sisters around the world since the very beginning of the Christian faith who have shared in the bread and the cup. And you know, as we do so, I want you to think about this. Why did Jesus say to the man who, who, who he was brought down, the man in front of him, why did he say, your sins are forgiven? Was there something in that man's life that he did that God punished him by paralyzing him? Is that what happened? You see, in the, in the culture of this time of the first century, and in many cultures even today, there was a very strong belief that if there was something wrong with you physically or financially or even relationship-wise, that it was because you did something to deserve that. And we have, of course, the epitome of that, and we have the, the strongest voice of that in the oldest book of the Bible, the book of Job, where his friends just batter him and say, Job, God does not do this for nothing. You did something, confess it, and God will heal you. 
And Job maintains his dignity. Job never says, I'm perfect, I never sin. But he says, no, you guys are wrong. I don't know why God is doing this. God, why are you doing this, Job says. But in the very oldest book of the Bible, this comes across. As a pastor, I have encountered this from people. And I know that maybe some of you have been in a situation where you have been through some very difficult times or are going through difficult times. Say, what, God, what did I do? No, I'm not here to say that God can do whatever he wants to do. But I think the point that Jesus is making here, because he does this throughout his ministry, your sins are forgiven. Go and sin no more. Your sins are forgiven. I don't think there's an implication. And Jesus does not say, uh, listen, friend, if you give up this habit, if you give up this, you will walk again. But what Jesus, I think, is saying, from my perspective, what Jesus is reminding them, that sin has affected everything. Was this man paralyzed because of sin? Yes. Because all death, disease, impairments, relationships, all these things are affected by sin. It is not a specific sin, I don't believe in this case, that this man had done anything worse than anybody else, but it is a reminder that we live in a sinful world and that sin has greatly impacted and changed everything. This is not the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve chose to sin. This man, like this man, was born with a sin nature. And because of that, everything is affected. And I say that simply to say this. When we come to this table today, it is our opportunity as Christian brothers and sisters to announce to one another, to our own souls, that God has provided the remedy for sin. And it was the blood and body of Jesus Christ. This is why we make no apology for preaching about, singing about, the spilled blood and the broken body. Because it is the only remedy for sin. And the only reason I stand before you today as I did this last week twice, last two days at funeral services and announced a confidence in the resurrection and the hope of the gospel is because Jesus paid the price for our sin. This is absolutely essential and core to everything about us as Christians. This man that dropped in, Jesus used this to remind them he is God. Yes, that's true. Only God has the right to forgive sins. And God can forgive sins because Jesus knew he was going to the cross of Calvary and he would die and he would suffer God's punishment for our sin. And so we are going to acknowledge that together today. And I'm going to invite our elders forward at this time. The elders in our church, they come, they are the shepherds of this flock. They are good men, they are kind men, they love you, they are here to serve you, and I remind you that if you ever have any need of spiritual guidance and help, these men are here to help. That's why they've been called to be elders of this church. And part of their 
privilege as elders is to serve you the bread and the cup as we remind ourselves today of the price paid for our sins. So we're going to serve the bread to you first. I'm going to ask you, you'll just hold it and just quietly pray as we serve the bread and we'll eat together. This is a very simple thing we do together, but as they have just sung to us, the purpose of it is to lead us to the cross. The Apostle Paul says this to the church at Corinth, for I received from the Lord, God revealed this, God gave this to Paul and said, you tell these people this, I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, in the night he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And after he, serves, he mentions the cup, he says this, for whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. We gather the first day of the week, Resurrection Sunday, but we come to proclaim the Lord's death, to lead us to the cross where God's wonderful love was shed abroad and offered to us. Let us eat the bread together and have a moment of quiet prayer. Our Father, we thank you that as a family, not as individuals, but as a family today, as a body, we can eat this bread together and we proclaim to one another and to our world our faith in the broken body of Jesus Christ and God's love that was shown to us as we are led to the cross of Calvary. Amen. It's good to have just a few moments in a busy week to just quiet our souls and to just give a few minutes of thought to the price paid for our salvation. You know, we also saw the in Sunday school this morning. Uh, we're all studying the book of Mark together. If you'd like to join us for Sunday school, uh, early childhood through adult. We're studying the same passage every week. Give you some things to talk about at home and uh, share with your friends over a meal, your family. And uh, we also saw at the end today when Jesus went in the synagogue and a man with a shriveled hand, a, a, a paralyzed hand was there. And he called the man in the middle of the synagogue and knew what they were thinking, and he healed the man. But before he did so, he looked around and said, uh, what is, what is, which is lawful in the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save a life or to kill? Because he knew what they were thinking, some of the leaders there were thinking, he doesn't dare do this on the Sabbath and break our Sabbath laws. But Jesus says he looked around at them in anger. One of the few times we'll see this. He's very upset about this. It's not a soft word. But then it says he was deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts. And, and the word there in the Greek, the word is really he felt sorry for them because of sin and because of the way we would treat one another, the way our hearts can grow stubborn and hard toward God, even, even the people who, who had been given his word. And he felt sorry for them. But Jesus didn't just feel sorry and say, I hope you guys figure this out, <laughs> you know. He went to the cross of Calvary. Why? Because he chose to love you. He chose. He was not obligated. 
He chose to love you. He chose to love me. And nobody knows better than me that I don't deserve that. And the same with you. But he chose to. He went to the cross of Calvary. He was pierced. His blood ran down that cross, pooled at the bottom. But the Bible says it was that blood that covered our sins. He rose from the dead. He was alive. He was resurrected. And the Bible tells us that through faith in Jesus Christ, we have the hope of the resurrection. And there is coming a time when we will no longer be tainted by any effect of sin, but we will be in God's presence. This is what this cup represents. The Lord Jesus Christ, the night he was betrayed, he took that cup during the Passover meal, during that Jewish festival. He passed around and he said, I want you to drink of this because it represents my blood of the new covenant. And I also want you to know I'm not going to drink this again until I come in my glorious kingdom. And as often, Paul says, as we drink this cup, we do pronounce and show forth the death of our Savior who loved us and whom we love today. Let us drink together. Would you just hold the cup for just a quiet moment after we drink? Father, once again, this empty cup reminds us that on Easter morning, the tomb was empty. Victorious over death, over sin, over the grave, and the way of eternal life was opened to us. We praise your name, hallelujah, and amen. Hallelujah? Amen. amen. How marvelous, how wonderful our Savior's love. If that's not your song this morning, please come and talk to one of us pastors. We'd love to sit down and talk with you and talk more and pray with you if you like and receive Christ as your Savior. I invite you back at 6 o'clock tonight. It's going to be a great presentation. Uh, Jeremy has been to all of our fields except one this past year, and I know you'll appreciate the opportunity to get updated and to know what's going on and to pray for our missionaries. If you want to leave today and make a hasty retreat, it's okay. No one's going to think you're being unfriendly. We understand. Or if you'd like to drop in to Gary or Kevin's house and watch the game, <laughs> feel free. Just be forewarned that one, you'll be rooting for the Seahawks, and at one... You'll probably be rooting for the Packers. You take your choice. Ooh. <laughs> Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful week. <laughs>